I pray and we pray that you would be first in this season and every season, individually, personally, as a community. There is one name, there is one hope, there is one baptism, there is one truth, there is one way, there is one life. And your name is Jesus. And so we ask that you would meet us here, here and now, in this room, throughout our city and nation, wherever we've gathered. We pray that you would be first in all things and that you would take care of all the things after that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, you can have a seat if you're here in this room. It is so good to be together both on-site and online, wherever you are, whether you're wearing your Sunday best today or you're still wearing your pajamas, whether you're here in Olathe or Overland Park, whether you're tuning in from Wichita or Ohio, Lorraine from Ohio, David Cochran's mom, tunes in every Sunday. And so it's just a delight to be together today. Well, my name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors around here and just want to help you take your first step or your next steps towards Christ, towards Jesus, and to community. And so if we can help in any way, we'd love to do that. We have our hub here on site, out those doors as you're leaving today. We also have our virtual hub online. That's just one click away, and we'd love to come beside you and help you take your first steps or your next steps in your journey towards Jesus and towards community. Well, whenever we gather, we also want to say thank you to those of you who call Heartland home and those of you who've locked arms with us, who, who give of your time and of your talents and of your financial resources out of a heart overflowing with gratitude to God and out of a commitment to our church and our family and to the mission God has given us. And so uh, we'd encourage you to continue to give as the Lord leads and as you see fit. You can do so financially in the green offering boxes in the atrium here. You can give online through our website. And you can also set up an automatic giving plan there, which is what my family has chosen to do out of a way to just put Jesus first in all areas of our life best we can. Well, if you've been tuning in the last few weeks, you know this is a critical season in the life of our church and, an, and a series that we're really excited about. We're calling it New Thing, a Heartland Manifesto. And so it's been really fun to look back and, and remember who we are, sort of get down to the irreducible heart of Heartland. And today is sort of a hinge moment on that journey because today we'll finish sort of a look at who we are and next week then we'll talk about why we're here. So out of what God has done and developed in us, what he wants to do through us. As so we'll turn the page next week to get into things like vision and mission and strategy. How do we measure what success looks like based upon God's good work in the past as he leads us into his best for our future? And then we'll culminate November 1st with our Sunday series, and we'll also welcome you back Sunday evening, 7 p.m., as we go from who we are and why we're here to where we're going and where we believe God is taking us in this exciting season, this challenging season, as he's forming in us the new thing he wants to do. 
And today, uh, we have the privilege and you have the treat of hearing from my dear friend, Joe Ratterman, as he comes and talks about this thing that's just been true of our church for decades, this focus on generational impact, what that means in a few moments. But to do that, to set that up, I need to take us back a few decades because I believe today is a few decades in the making. I had graduated from college and took my first ministry post in 1999 doing youth and college ministry. And I was excited and I was green and it took me about two months to realize I had no idea what I was doing. And so I came and I sat at Heartland uh, with Glenn Kaler, one of my mentors, and I said, I, I don't know what I'm doing. They've, they've hired the wrong person. And Glenn said, well, you have some experience with ministry through Young Life. Like, how would you start that here? And I said, well, I don't know. I'd get clear about what I was doing and, and where I was going. Glenn said, okay, do that. What'd you do next? Well, I said, um, I'd pour into leaders who could help with the work of this new ministry I'm a part of. And Gwen was like, that sounds awesome, do that. And he said, what would you do next? And I said, well, I guess I'd start building relationships with students and getting to know them and helping form communities. And Gwen was like, sounds great. Sounds like you know exactly what to do. And in the course of that 45-minute conversation, Glenn gave me the courage and confidence to do what I didn't think I could do in and of myself. Well, fast forward about 10 years. By now, it's 2009, and my wife and I have moved to Lawrence. We've planted a church. We're reaching students on campus, and we're in and around downtown Lawrence, starting to reach families, and, and God was doing some cool stuff. And one Sunday, a college student named Joe showed up for the first time. Full disclosure, he came looking to meet a girl and wound up meeting Jesus instead. And so as weeks became months and years, as he grew in his journey with Jesus, he became one of our most important leaders around there, giving leadership to our college ministry that was beginning to grow and thrive. And that young man named Joe was Joe Ratterman, who will be here today. Well, one Sunday, I was running late before a service started. For you students, you know how you cram for tests? Like, pastors do that every week. It's called sermon prep. And so I was not where I was supposed to be, but one of the tech guys saw Joe sitting in the seats as we were preparing for sermon, or for the service, and said, hey, Joe, go stand on stage so we can get the lights set. Well, this would be Joe's story to tell at a later date, but there was something about that moment where he felt like the Spirit of God was speaking to him in, in important ways, just said, you were supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. And then I walked in from wherever I was, and I saw Joe on a stage like this, and I just said, dude, you look great up there. You want to give a sermon? I think it was the last thing he wanted to do, but it turned out that moment began to set a trajectory for him to pursue seminary and pursue ministry, to come on staff here at Heartland, to be making a difference for the next generation around here, bringing leadership to our high school ministry and the like. And so I was just struck by that this week in really profound and powerful ways and why I'm such, such, such a joy to be here because 10 plus years ago, Joe was, trying, was preparing the stage for me. <laughs> And now, 10 years later, I get to prepare the stage for Joe as he gets to come and share with us God's heart to change each and every generation 
one person, one relationship, one leader, one community at a time. And so let's welcome Joe Ratterman. Well, hello, friends. How are we? It's good to be with you all. If I could, just take a moment to, to brag on Seth uh, just for a second. Uh, one of my favorite Seth memories happened. It was uh, just over five years ago. My wife and I were at a wedding that Seth was officiating, and uh, it was one of those weddings you look forward to going to. Uh, there's a lot of great weddings, but then there's the, the awesome weddings. This is one of those awesome weddings, and uh, it was just an incredible venue, great food, great drinks. We were so excited for it, and as beautiful as the ceremony was, and Seth, it, it was really good. Uh, everybody was ready for the reception because the reception was even better with great food and great drinks. And uh, this couple happened to be a, a KU couple, Rock Chalk, all you, all, all you guys out there. And so what they wanted to do, instead of the rice or the bubbles, they wanted to do the like familiar Rock Chalk tradition where you take the little strips of uh, newspaper, you rip them up, put them in a cone, and then you throw them. Uh, so bride and groom, they're wrapping up the wedding. They come outside and people are throwing like newspaper left and right. It's raining newspaper all around. Um, absolutely incredible. They whisk off to the reception. We go with them and um, it's just as good as we thought it was. Like the, the food's even better than we thought it was going to be. Uh, but I am searching all around the reception looking for Seth because I haven't seen him in a couple of years and I was looking forward to catching up and I can't find him anywhere. He's just gone. Uh, Kind of like that moment, I guess, when I showed up to church and he wasn't there. He just disappears, that's Seth. And so I'm like looking around, the night is kind of like moving on, we're going to dinner and to speeches and I can't find Seth. But then finally, and I forget just how late he was, probably over an hour, uh, he arrives. And I'm like, Seth, like, where have you been? You've been missing such a great party. Uh, Turns out the wedding venue was not particularly excited about all the tiny strips of newspaper that was now littering the landscaping. And so after officiating this, this awesome wedding, Seth is on his hands and knees picking up every single piece of newspaper um, so that we could go on to the party. And there was just something about that moment, the humility of that moment, the, the servant-hearted leadership that has just stuck with me um, and has been such an example for me as I've stepped into pastoral ministry myself. Well, uh, believe it or not, that's not entirely unrelated to what we're talking about this morning. Uh, you guys know that we are in week four of an eight-week series in which we've been talking about who we are as Heartland, who we have been these 30-plus years since we began in a basement on an ironing-born pulpit, uh, that we've always been a people committed to, to investing in the next generation. We've always been about passing the torch and what we call generational impact. That's who we are. And while the, the investment seems small at the moment, it's just like grabbing coffee and sharing life and sharing meals, the payoff someday is exponential. I mean, just think back to there was a, a Glenn Kaler who invested in a Seth, uh, a Seth who went and planted a church where hundreds of students came to hear about the good news of Jesus. A little over 10 years ago, I was one of those students. Um, just last week, I am sharing the good news of Jesus with students at our fall retreat, 10 of which uh, decided to follow Jesus for the very first time. As I'm thinking about that fall retreat, about who would be like the best person to host that experience, as I'm thinking about ministry leaders and adults and uh, staff members, 
the person, the best person I thought for, for hosting that experience was Reed Nelson, one of our seniors who's exploring his own calling to ministry. And then I even think this morning, uh, right over there in the middle school space, Kinley, uh, one of our, our seniors who's exploring her own call to ministry, is preaching to middle school students. That's the power of uh, generational impact. Because uh, that's just one line. I mean, rarely is it passed down from one person to one person to one person. It, it's, uh, think about all the people that Glenn Kaler invested in. Think about all the people that Seth invested in. Think about all the people that me and Reed and Kinley and others will invest in. The potential is endless. That is exponential impact. That is generational impact. And if you are gathered with us here today or you're joining us online, the reality is, is that someone passed the torch to you. Someone has invested something in you that you would uh, find yourself at home in a place like this. That could be something uh, really big, someone really sharing all their life. It could be as small as an invite, but the reality is, is that all of us have been handed the torch. The question is, will you pass the torch or punt it? The question is, will you pass the torch or punt it? Will you be the kind of person that, that pays it forward, that gives it back, that invests your lives in the ways that others have invested in you, or will you keep it to yourself? The choice is yours. But if you're here and you're one of the people that says, yeah, how could I not share with others what's been shared with me? How could I not pay it forward? How could I not invest in others? I believe that there's three principles that we can pick up from this little book in the back of your Bibles called uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul to the, a young man that he is mentoring named Timothy. Um, it's towards the end of Paul's ministry. He's in jail and he realizes that if the good news of Jesus is going to continue to spread, then he's got to pass the torch. And that's what we see in this little book. Now, as we talk about this idea of passing the tor torch, my fear would be is that you would think that uh, when it comes to passing the torch, it just happens in places like this, uh, in established ministry places. But I believe that when it comes to passing the torch, it's, it's what happens around dinner tables. It's what happens in break rooms. It's what happens every time that we decide to invest in others what has been invested in us. So my hope is for all of us, wherever you find yourself, that you can find yourself uh, in this message as we look at those three principles for passing the torch. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up, flip them on, swipe, scroll, do what you do. Uh, we're gonna be in 2 Timothy chapter one. Here, Paul starts out, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from the God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you. I mean, gosh, as we read this, you can almost just feel the, this relationship. You can feel the love that Paul has for Timothy. I mean, some of the language that he uses, he, he says, my dear son. Uh, he, he talks about like recalling his tears, longing to see him, being filled with joy about the idea of visiting him. 
And what struck me as I read this this week is just that line, my dear son, because Timothy is not Paul's biological child. Paul is not his, his dad or his stepfather. There, there's no family ties there. And yet, because of the love that Paul has for Timothy, because of his investment in him, because of their shared faith, Timothy's like family to Paul. He considers him as his own son. And that's maybe something that we'd call around here, just that idea of spiritual family. Stuff that goes beyond kind of blood. But then in verse five, we also see, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother and in your mother, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. There's also the sense in which faith is passed down kind of biologically as grandparents pass the faith to parents who pass the faith to their kids. There's also kind of this biological component of, of we pass down to our kids these values and, and this important faith. And so as I read that, there's a sense in which it's not just spiritual family and it's not just biological, but it's kind of this, we pass the torch together. And that's principle number one. When it comes to passing the torch, we pass the torch together. It's an all play. We're, we're all a part of uh, passing the torch to the next generation. I mean, I think about by the time a student winds up in high school, I know that I'm not the first one there. Uh, they, their parents have likely laid the faith. They're it's built upon the prayers of mamas and grandmamas. Uh, it's mentors and coaches and teachers and uh, you fill in the blank with your people. You see, each of us are a product of all those who's invested in us. All those who have passed the torch to us. So my question for you this morning is, who has passed the torch to you? Allow even names to come to your mind. Who has invested in you? Who saw something in you, named something in you, stepped out of their way to share something with you? Who has made you the person that you are today? You know, as I, I think about myself, uh, I think about my parents who laid an incredible foundation of faith for me. I, I think about the mentors like Seth and Rex and Jim and Paul and Tom uh, who began to even build on that foundation. I think about supervisors like Brian and Sarah and Dan and Shibu who've helped shape me into the leader that I am today. I am a product of all of those people investing in me. I think about the countless prayers and chunks of wisdom, the impromptu phone calls, the early, early morning coffees. I think about all the celebrations that we shared and all the tears that we shed. Because when it comes to passing the torch, we, we pass the torch together. That's principle number one. Uh, principle number two we can find in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul says this. He says, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul is essentially making the case. He's like, hey, the things you've heard me say, now you go and say to others. The things that have been invested in you, now you go invest in others. The ways you've been impacted, now you go impact others. That is principle number two. When it comes to passing the torch, we pass the torch by investing our lives in others. When it comes to passing the torch, we pass the torch by investing our lives in others. 
And this is where like the real power of kind of multiplication of, of generational impact starts to take root. I mean, have you ever thought about how Christianity got to the place that it is today? Because if you've looked at the history, it should not have. It was this subsect of Judaism, largely rejected by the Jewish people. Uh, its founder was publicly in front of everybody crucified. All of his disciples deserted him that day on the cross. I mean, Christianity should have been snuffed out of the history books. And yet fast forward some 2,000 years later, and over 2.3 billion people, a third of the world's population, would, would say that they, they follow Jesus. <laughs> How does that happen? I mean, yes, there was the part where he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. That was a big deal. And the miracles of the early church, like, that's a big deal. I don't want to discredit that necessarily. Uh, but I also think there's some value in looking at the way that Jesus spent his three years of ministry. Do you guys remember how he spent that? It wasn't investing in thousands. It wasn't investing in hundreds. It wasn't crusades or big rallies. It was the 12. Life on life, sharing life with those 12 disciples who would go on to share those things with others, who would share those things with others. That's our example. We pass the torch by investing our lives in the lives of others. I want you to think for a moment. We're going to do a lot of questions today. <laughs> who have you invested in? Who are the people that you have made an impact on? Allow even names to kind of rise to your mind. And maybe more importantly, who are you right now passing the torch to? You know, one of the things that I love about Heartland is we're, we're actually a people that do this really well. Uh, I, I think about so many of our stories that for 30 plus years, we've been the kind of people that we're committed to this. You know, I, I think about a, uh, Jonathan and Katie Stahl or Rob and Amy Ames and the work that they do with foster care of just inviting kids into their home. I mean, literally investing their very lives to help these students rewrite their stories. You know, I think about an April Tebby and uh, mom of two, who her and a group of other moms go to Washington Elementary to mentor students there. And how she would at times rather go without that extra meal or that extra thing in their house because she wants to make sure that those that have least are, are able to have what they need. You know, I think about an Andrew Johnson who uh, he travels a lot for work. And yet he still makes time to gather around a fire pit with a bunch of other dudes and drink beer and have meaningful conversation. You know, I think about uh, Nathan Holmes and just the work that he does. he does. He does tech for us. And yet he sees that as a vehicle of investing in the lives of young people, uh, like, a, like a Trent who is, you know, exploring doing tech stuff with his life as well. And there's countless others that we could add. Brad Gregory and the way that he invests in students through one of our ministry partners in the city and how he's been doing it so long that those students are now serving alongside him as, he, as they're kind of investing and passing the torch together. You see, when it comes to passing the torch, we do it by investing our lives in the lives of others. That is principle number two. And principle number three, we find kind of towards the end of this uh, little book at the back of our Bibles, principle number three is to pass the torch, we have to let go. 
to pass the torch, we have to let go. And we find it in uh, chapter four where Paul says this. He says, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. It's funny that that passage was actually shared with me 10 years ago when I gave my first sermon. And it was given to, to that mentor 35 years prior when his mentor gave him that same charge. And in it, it just captures kind of the emotion of this moment. If you can imagine, here's Paul. He knows his time is up. He's in jail. He, he knows that his race is about to be done. And yet he knows, he knows that there is someone to take the torch. That there's a Timothy that he believes in and is going to do great things in his absence. And if you can imagine being Timothy in that moment, knowing that Paul, like the Paul, the guy, believed in him, empowered him, saw things in him that he didn't see himself. Like imagine just the emotion of reading that and just feeling so empowered. That's what happens when we let go is we empower other people to grow. That's what happens when we let go is we empower other people to go and grow. Now, when it, when it comes to, to letting go, uh, this may seem obvious, but to, to pass the torch, if you can imagine a physical torch, to pass it on, you have to let go of it. You can't keep holding on to it. And for many of us, that's hard because there's something that we do, whether it's a role or a responsibility or an expertise, that we're the best at doing it. We, we think we're the only one that can do that thing. Uh, if you're my wife, it's making the bed. Like, good luck trying to convince anyone else that they can make the bed like she can. If you try, she just undoes it and redoes it. Uh, that's her thing. You fill in the blank with your thing. But there's things that we think that only we can do, and so we keep doing it because we're the best at it and because it makes us feel important and it makes us feel needed. Or maybe we're the only one doing that thing because we're so busy doing it that we don't have enough time to train or build somebody else up to do it. And for most of us, we keep holding on to that thing up until we're face-to-face -face with our own limitations or face-to-face -face with some kind of life transition that forces our hand. And in doing so, I think we miss out on the joy of watching other people do the things that only we can do. I think we miss out on the joy of watching other people do the things that only we can do. And I got to see this uh, when I first got into ministry, I was convinced that I needed to do all the things. Um, and I was convinced that I could do all the things better than everybody else. And so when I first started doing ministry, I was doing all the things from, from uh, setup to tear down to meeting with students to giving all the talks to tech and trying to set up worship. I, and I could do it, but not well. <laughs> it was sucking the life out of me. And I just had this moment, I think I was listening to a leadership podcast where I heard someone say that if someone can do something 80% as good as you, you should hand that thing off. And so I think it was probably sheer desperation that I was like, okay, I've got to start handing these things off. And so I handed up a, a welcome and set up to Haley and Eric 
who just went with it and crush it week after week, doing things that I could never do. I, we handed off uh, tack to, to Trent and Nathan, and um, they're rocking it. Worship to Joey and Reese, they're running with it. Guest speakers are coming in from our own students and leaders. And the biggest surprise that I found in the midst of that was that these, they didn't just do it 80% as good as I could, they did it better. <laughs> uh, they brought their own voice, their own abilities, their own stories to the table, and we were better because of it. And then maybe what surprised me most was how much joy I've experienced watching other people do what only I can do. The joy I've experienced watching other people do what only they can do. Uh, I mean, I, I just think uh, about the, the Reeds and the, the Abbeys and the Haleys and the Garretts and the Jordans and so many other countless students that are they're living out their faith and doing things that only they can do. That's what happens when we let go is we empower other people to go. We empower other people to grow. So I want you to think about your own life. So what's something that maybe is an expertise, maybe it's something you, you want to get around to someday passing on, but you've been holding on to? What's something that you're doing that, that really is a space for somebody else to, to grow in? What's something that you maybe need to, to pass the torch in? Because when it comes to passing the torch, we have to let go. So to summarize maybe some of the things that we talked about this morning, when it comes to passing the torch, we pass the torch together. It's an all play. It's, it's biological. It's spiritual. We're all a part of passing the torch together. We pass the torch by investing our lives in the lives of others through shared meals and shared schedules, sharing our time in our lives. And third, when it comes to passing the torch, we do it by letting go and empowering others to grow. But the question is, will you pass the torch or will you punt it? Will you pass the torch or will you punt it? The reality is if you are joining us here or you're with us online, that someone passed you the torch in small ways, in big ways, you have the torch now. You are Heartland. You are our future. The question is, will you pass that torch or will you punt it? I mean, the reality is it, it costs something, doesn't it? Carving time out of our schedule, making space around our table, sharing our lives with others. It, it costs something. And at the time, it may not seem all that significant. It may not seem like a big payoff, but the potential is exponential. Uh, I had this conversation with one of our leaders uh, this last week, Dwayne. He's in his uh, early 50s. He's a commercial real estate appraiser, easily one of the best leaders that I've ever had. And as we were like just kind of recounting his story a little bit, uh, he shared with me like the, the first time that he started leading, you know, he didn't think he had enough time and he didn't think he knew enough. And yet he showed up and kept showing up and he took this group from eighth grade year all the way up to senior year uh, and traveled with them through all of the stuff that life throws at you during those crazy years. Uh, the, the family transitions, the divorces, the mental health, the depression, the anxiety. 
some really tough stuff, breakups and stuff they walked through. And then also the mountaintop moments of those first dates and graduations and just watching these guys mature over the years. And it's been so incredible just getting to watch so many of his guys find faith and get baptized and uh, lead things of their own. And I've always been impressed at how well Dwayne leads and uh, I figured out the secret <laughs> or, or kind of figured out the why. He said it was when he was uh, just out of college that a, a man named Steve invested in him, who invited him to go hiking with him and invited him to his dinner table and invested his, in his life. And as Dwayne's kind of recounting this on the phone, he's like, how could I not share with others what's been shared with me? How could I not invest my life in the ways that like I've been invested in? <laughs> That's why he's such an incredible leader. And I just had this moment on the phone. It felt like kind of a, a Holy Spirit nudge where I was just like, Dwayne, right now you get to see some of the fruit of this investment that you've made. But there's gonna be that day on the other side of eternity when you're looking back from heaven and you get to see the impact that that investment has had on each of those individuals, those changed lives, those altered trajectories, on the people that they will go on to reach and touch in workplaces and families. Like that potential is enormous. And I just had this little realization where, where, where Jesus says like, store up for yourselves in heaven treasures. Because people are the only thing that you can take with you to heaven. It's this, these that are, we are investing in, these that are, we are sharing our lives with, that's the payday someday as we look back from heaven and get to, to share with all the people that we've invested in in this life. That's the potential of generational impact. That's what happens when we invest our lives in the lives of others. That's what we have always been about, Arland. The question is, will you pass the torch or punt it. Let's pray. Well, but Father, just between uh, this service and the last service, just have been filled with gratitude for the people that you've placed in my life. Uh, I know each of us can think about individuals that have been there at just the right time, that have um, even if we couldn't have seen it at the time, we're, we're just there for us, uh, that invested in us, that passed the torch to us. And so we just thank you that we're not in this alone, but that you surround us um, with spiritual family, you surround us with biological family, uh, you surround us with those that, that pass the torch to us. And Father, my prayer is that this week, would there be moments maybe along the way where we just a name comes to mind of somebody that we should reach out to, somebody that we should text or invite to coffee, maybe somebody in our workplace that we really should hand something off to, someone else that we should elevate. And God, I, I pray as, as we step out into Heartland's future with this commitment to generational impact, uh, wherever that, that is, uh, would that continue to be a part of our future as we pass the torch to the next generation? We ask these things in your son's holy and precious and mighty name. Amen. Woo! Yeah, guys. Well, thanks for being with us this morning. All right.
Uh, if you are here, and I, I, I was very careful in this message not to make this a next-gen message where we're just trying to get you all to serve in, in ministry, uh, you can do that, and we'd like you to do that. And if you'd like to, you can head to the hub to find out more information about our kids' ministry, student ministry, or high school ministry. Um, but more so, be thinking this week in your workplace, uh, around your dinner table, who are those that you can be passing the torch to? But otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Sound good? All right, get out of here, guys.